2: This is Dr. Joseph A. Mills, Jr. of Agape MC Ministries, Amelitary, Virginia. Thank you for tuning in to our Reigning in Life through Faith radio broadcast. I pray that today's message will truly be a blessing to you. We
1: stand on the So, if you're ever in the Alexandria, Virginia area, come and stop by the embassy for one of our weekly services. We just wanted to say we love you and we hope to see you soon.
3: Enjoy this powerful series from Dr. Mills entitled, Spiritual Authority, Gifts.
2: The thing that a lot of us were not doing is what he told us to do, which is guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. We're not guarding. We're not guarding what we hear, what we see, and and what we say. Guard, guard. Are you all with me? And this is why it's so critical that we that we love one another because the more you develop love the the, the, the more sensitive you become to the things of evil.
1: That's good. Amen. That's good.
2: The more sensitive you are to love, the more sensitive you're going to be to the things of evil, the things that that will destroy you. This is what you what you think. What am I getting ready to get myself into? There's a check that comes on the inside of you. God will check you. But depending on your desire, your desire, y'all with me? If your desire is so, is, is so powerful in you, that overrides the check that you have, you will move against what the spirit is checking you about and get into trouble. That can be in finances, with people, in relationships, whatever it may be. Are you all with me? You know, um, People have such a desire for money until they don't really hear God saying, no, 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 this is not the time to do this. Mm-hmm. Are you all understanding what I'm saying? Let's say, for instance, you know, like, you know, we've had people, you know, you want to buy a car, a house, same difference, okay? And you have you have such a desire to buy a car. You know, you want this car. You you know, you've looked at cars, and you want this car. And that, it, it doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to have a car. But is it the time, or is this the car? Is this the kind of, is this the relationship that you're supposed to be in? You know, and I'm talking about buying a car. You know, should you get it from these people, or should you get it from over here, or is something coming down the pike that is better for you? Are you listening to God for it? Can you all understand what I'm saying? Are you going to get in trouble because you're paying, you're paying more of an interest? on, on a loan that then God would even have for you to have because you didn't listen to God. We're talking about life. Jesus came that you may have life and have life in abundance. Are you all with me? Can you understand what I'm saying? See? The love of God, you understand, will keep me from loving money. Are you understanding? That what if God says the love of money is the root of all evil? So now if I can, if I know how then not to fall in love with money, but have more love for God than I do for money. Money's not going, it's not going to, uh, it it can't tempt me. The devil can't tempt me with money. I said the devil can't tempt me with money. Um, If I'm in love with God, the devil can't tempt me with a relationship that I'm not supposed to be in. Can y'all understand what I'm saying? And in and, uh, and a, a relationship that I'm not supposed to be in, if I got in it, you understand, down the road, you know, who knows? Some, some, you might get killed, you, whatever. Can y'all understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean God stopped loving you. As a matter of fact, God was trying to keep you out of it because he already knew what was going to happen down the road. But no, 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 no. You just had to have him or her. No, Can you understand what I'm saying? You need to understand what I'm saying. God, if you got in a relationship, let me tell you, God still loves you. Amen. Irrespective of what happened in the relationship. Irrespective of what, what, what went on. You understand? Can you all understand what I'm saying? See, a lot of us are charging God as not loving us because we got into something that we shouldn't have got into, and you don't even understand. God could care less about that. He, he cares about it. I may use the wrong, wrong words right there. He cares what happens to you. He wants to see the best for you. But whether you chose the best or not, it doesn't change God and his. And and, and 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 the way he sees you or way he looks at you. Can you all understand what I'm saying? Oh man. You gotta get this. Because we're so critical of our own selves. Word of God says if we don't condemn ourselves, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And we'll, we will condemn ourselves because of something we did wrong. We know we did wrong. And the one thing that I want you to do is to think about God. Forget about you. Think about God. If God is not condemning you, don't you condemn you.
3: Amen. Amen.
2: Now that will allow you to walk free and be and God will be able to be able to speak to you and you'll be able to hear God. Because as long as you're condemning yourself, you're not going to be able to hear God. Are you all understanding what I'm saying? Hey, you did something wrong. Somebody said you did something wrong. Hey, don't condemn yourself for it. God's not condemning you. You know, just recognize that you did it wrong. Ask somebody to forgive you, or whatever. You, keep moving. Amen. Keep moving. Our our biggest challenge is us condemning ourselves, and now we really get into trouble because now we're opening up ourselves to the adversary, to where he can use things in your in your emotions, use some things against you that uh, should not be used against you. Turn with me to uh, the thirteenth chapter of uh, First Corinthians here for a minute. Are y'all getting un- what I'm saying here? Amen. This is vitally important. This, th- man, if if man, if you don't understand anything else, you need to understand this. Yeah, you know. yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't care what your living conditions are. God still loves you. I don't care what you've done in the past. God still loves you. You know what Jesus told a woman? He said, okay, now go and sin no more. And that's what God is saying. Okay, I love you. I'm not condemning you. But stop sinning. Stop sinning. He's not condemning you, but now you leave yourself open to the adversary to destroy you. The destroyer is trying to he he's seeking he's trying to find something. If he can find something, he'll fool you. He'll deceive you. He'll pull you into a trap. Now <clears throat> in the in in the thirteenth chapter, it says, "Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels." But have not love, I have become a sounding brass or clinging sample. Verse two is a critical verse. I realize this. Uh, I looked at, uh, you know, I uh, to look up some of the Greek words, it really uh, allows you to understand some things that were being said. And in verse two, it says, Though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And that word nothing actually is a Greek word, udis, and it's spelled O U D E I S. I don't know whether y'all want to know how it's spelled or not, but it means. It, it can mean no thing, and it means no man, no woman. And as we move on into this, and he talks about um, us not being. Let me. Let me. He said. Um, it, <clears throat> let me just show you this down here in in this scripture. He says now. Verse 11 says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So if in verse two, he says, I am no man. He said, but have not love. I am no man. Obviously, he down here when he says, when I put away childish things, I became a man. You become a man when you love. That man means mature, full grown.
3: Are
2: oh, you understand what I'm saying? He says, we're still like children who want my toy. See, he said, I put away childish things. He said, when I was a child, what did I do? I spoke like a child. I act like a child. You know, <clears throat> let's read that again. Okay. So y'all can get this. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood as a child. You know, children don't understand a whole lot of stuff. And you got to tell them, okay, don't worry about you. I understand later on. You know, you tell them something you understand. And, and they, I don't understand. Well, okay. All right. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. It'll come. How? When? How? Through maturity. They have an understanding. So it's what he saw. He says, he says, I was when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Oh my goodness. When I became a man, I put away childish things. So until you begin to love, you're still thinking like a child. You're still acting like a child. You're talking like a child. That's why we need, we need to develop the love in us. Because we're acting like children. And we need to stop acting like children. Grow up. Are y'all with me? Stop judging one another. And, 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 and And what we're doing is trying to attach some law to another person that they should be or should not be involved in. You're telling them what they should or should not do. Hey, that's Holy Spirit's job. That's not our job. Our job is not to judge is not to judge one another. And the word of God says, we can judge, but, but when we judge, it's not to be critical and to tear down, it's to build up. When I see that you're doing something wrong, no, I'm not coming in there to point out something wrong. It's for me to say, "Come on man, you can do better than that. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, come on. Let's pray about this. Yeah, or pray for them. Like Paul did for the Corinthian church when he wanted them to have the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of God. That they would be strengthened with might in the inner man. Why? So they could overcome the little things, the little childish things.
3: Hey, WAVA family. Thanks again for tuning in to the Reigning in Life Through Faith broadcast. As always, Dr. Mills gave an impressive word today on spiritual authority gifts. In his message today, he spoke a little about judging others and how God's love has saved us and made us righteous, regardless of what past, present or future sins we may commit. I want to spend a little time touching on each of these topics in the time that we have left together. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you instantaneously become righteous. That means you're in right standing with God. This righteousness cannot be earned or rewarded by men, only by God. Under the Mosaic law, the law given to Moses by God, there were actually 613 commandments that needed to be followed that would cause a person to actually become righteous. It's virtually impossible for any man born into this earth to keep all 613. But thank God for Jesus, who completely fulfilled the law. Jesus lived a perfect life, fulfilled the moral laws, and by his sacrificial death, fulfilled the ceremonial laws as well. He came to fulfill the old covenant and establish the new covenant. This new covenant is a covenant of grace with even better promises than the old covenant. So, when we accept the finished work of Jesus, we are then in right standing with God. We are indeed free in Jesus, but our freedom is not an excuse to do evil. Let's take a look at 1 Peter, the second chapter, and verse 16 in the NLT. And the scripture says, For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So, don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Just as Dr. Mills said in his message earlier, your actions do have consequences. But your actions are not the determining factor of your right standing with God. When you can believe that and get that into your heart, you will live righteously. There's no need to try to become what God said you already are. Sin consciousness makes our faith of no effect. If you have a bad self-image, your guilt can cause you not to receive all that God has for you. Whether you sin or not is not the basis for you being made right with God. This is one of the main reasons why we should not judge others based on what it seems like they're doing. That would be the wrong way to judge others. But there are both right and wrong ways to judge others. And distinguishing the difference between that is also what I want to focus on. The phrase, no judgment zone, seems to be a popular thing for people to say in today's society. We live in a world that strives to promote the idea of tolerance, whether it involves religion, behavior, or human sexuality. Built into this tolerance is the concept that truth is determined by each individual and not by God. This has led many people to believe that making judgments on anyone is wrong because after all, the Bible says judge not in Matthew 7, chapter verse 1. The idea of judging people needs to be addressed as it relates to the two types of people who live in this world, the unbeliever and the believer. The methods are different when dealing with these two groups, but the goal should always be reconciliation. Unbelievers need to know Christ and be reconciled to him, and believers need to grow in Christ and become reconciled to each other. It's real easy to get confused when we hear that we're not supposed to judge others. But then at the same time, we have to discern and judge what the truth is. So first, let's look at the wrong way to judge others. When we judge negatively, we often intend malice while slandering another person. Take a look at Romans, the 14th chapter and verse 4 in the Passion Translation. And it says, who do you think you are to sit in judgment of someone else's household servant? His own master is the one to evaluate whether he succeeds or fails. And God's servants will succeed, for God's power supports them and enables them to stand. So, what right do you have to judge your neighbor in a criticizing way? Our choice to criticize will cause severe damage in our own lives. Ridiculing others exposes us to the judgment of God. We actually bring more suffering on ourselves by our complaints against one another than we might be aware of. Having a critical spirit steals our joy and peace. When we judge others' sin, it magnifies our sin in God's eyes and makes us vulnerable to hatred. We're actually planting seeds of unforgiveness and condemnation that take root in our hearts and minds. It places us in opposition to God. Judging and accusing people in this way is what Satan does, and we certainly don't want to align ourselves with him. So, what's the right way to judge others? Before we can even get into that, I want to admonish you to clean yourself up first. So let's look at Matthew, the seventh chapter and begin reading at verse three in the NIV. And it says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. What Jesus is ultimately teaching the believer when he's asking, why are we paying attention to the speck of sawdust in our brother's eye when we have a plank in our own eye, is that if we haven't ourselves repented from our own sins, then we're in no place to tell others how sinful they're acting. So now, once we actually do that, we are to judge the sin and not condemn the person. Believers are not called to condemn others, but we're also not to ignore sin. So that means if we are to judge others, we have to do it in a biblical way. John, the eighth chapter, has a perfect example of this where a woman is caught in the act of adultery. Her accusers came to Jesus saying that the law of Moses commands us to put her to death. What do you say we should do? They were actually trying to test Jesus with this question, but he replied, the person who is without sin may cast the first stone. By saying this, Jesus assured the woman that she is not under condemnation. Then he tells her to go and live your life without sin. The end result and the goal in mind should always be repentance and reconciliation, not condemnation. God commands believers to point out the truth in hope, And with Christ-like compassion, bring repentance and restoration to the situation. Amen. I just want to conclude our time today by saying believers are called to judge righteously. And judging between right and wrong is something we do every day. It's God's word that makes judgment on morality and truth and not our own opinions or theories. Keeping in step with God should be more important to us than tolerating actions and behaviors that go against his will. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's Reigning in Life Through Faith message. I pray that you receive something that will change your life. If you'd like to give to the ministry in response to our broadcast, visit agapeembassy.org. And we'll see you next week.
0: To receive your gift of today's message on CD, simply send your donation of no less than $10 in the form of a check or money order to... Agape Embassy Ministries 5775 Barclay Drive Suite 7 Alexandria, Virginia 22315 Visit us on the web at www.agapeembassy.org Dr. Mills invites you to listen to the broadcast for more Reigning in Life Through Faith